I love to like go to my friend's house with a gun and then like throw them in a closet uh, and, and like <laughs> shoot the gun past their fucking head to like <laughs> scare them. <laughs> I I feel like any all these people like they they think they're all like gangster and badass, but actually they're just like doing shit they saw in a movie once. Like exactly, it's like they they're just twenty three year olds with way too much money. And it's your host, Gabe Lezra. Um, we are on BalloneDorder.com, and I am joined by my man, Evan Matier. Evan, no guest this week, but a lot of um, a lot of bullshit to talk about. Oh, so many bad takes. Yeah, bad takes. Tons. I mean, that's what we do here. Like, that's our bread and butter, and there is some stupid, shitty bad takes. A lot of on-brand stuff for us, too, like uh, bringing up a lot of different aspects of um, things that we like to joke about and make fun of. People... Uh, old, like really, what's really cool, Evan, I think, and the, the first one we're going to talk about is really combining a number of the different things that I think we do really well here, like making fun of FIFA and um, just an incredibly bad take. So really good shit. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, I mean, MLS is coming back really soon. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, targeted allocation money, TAM, which is something that um, is super dumb. But <laughs> it's something that like normal fo- football fans, soccer fans from around the world don't re- wouldn't won't really understand because it's such like a weird esoteric American thing. But uh, we'll muddy through it because it's important to get, uh, and it's one of the reasons why certain roster moves are more and less likely to happen. That kind of shit. It's very classically American sports. So I think if you like have a background in baseball or basketball or football you'll be able to kind of get what the hell TAM is, even if it doesn't make a ton of sense even to you. So, um, yeah, I think that's sort of where we are. Um, but before any of that, I just wanted to um, shout out to James Rushton. Uh, was uh, brought by Aston Villa to go to one of their away games, which is super dope. And he had a video that they posted. was awesome. So, like, go check that out. Um, it looked really cool. And... Um, yeah, Villa. I mean, like, we're open. So, like, if you want to fly us out, I'll go to your away I mean, games. Wh- like, whenever. Hell yeah, man. Like, I, we will make a video for you uh, 100%. Like, I you know, I will be a Villa fan. I mean, like, I'm I'm not not, right? Like, I'm I'm, I'm down. So, like, if you want to fly let's, us out. Let's be, let's be clear. I, I think almost any football club in the world, if, if you want to fly me out. I'll sure. go to your game. I'll go to your game, Barcelona. If you want to fly me out, I'll go. Absolutely. Okay. Totally cool. I'm down. If you want to like fly me like Qatari Airways, whatever, like that's cool. I'll go on your blood airways to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I might like skip like third division, like local Brazilian games where sometimes referees get decapitated. Oh shit. I saw something like that happen recently. I follow an amazing Twitter account called at football fights. And uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's this amazing game in um, I can't remember where, but one of the dudes like was about to get jumped by the entire opposing team, so he runs over to the corner flag and takes it out and uses like oh, a spear. I, yeah, I saw this. It's yeah. amazing. That was such a good idea. I didn't even think about it, but they were like all rushing at him. He's like, I'm gonna get the shit kicked out of me, and he runs over and grabs <laughs> it, and then he just starts poking at them, and they back off. <laughs> such a good idea. I broke it. Um, and also. A uh, huge shout out to the um, incredibly regular 
um, Milan fans who found uh, Liz's article about their incredibly shitty corrupt owner and the uh, incredibly normal behaved hedge fund Elliott management that is working with them to, as far as I can understand, currently refinance their debt. And it's not clear if that's going to work. Um, who are really angry and really wanted to uh, defend their fucking moist, round, billionaire, uh, uh, fucking fraudster owner. And uh, we're really angry when anyone pointed out the obvious that that dude is scamming the shit out of all of you. Um, yeah, they were not happy. They were very unhappy when they saw that I had a picture with my dog also. So really cool, normal thing, normal, really? normal way to respond uh, to people pointing out, what and look at a, you with your dog. Fundamentally obvious, my guys. Like, it's, and it's, the funniest thing is, like, they're not even making. Fun. Liz is a Milan fan. These are people who yeah. are not so much obviously fans of the club. They are fans of this guy in particular. See, that was what was confusing me. Is like, we're sports fans of all kinds of different teams. I have zero investment emotionally in any of the ownerships of any of the teams that I follow. I don't really care. I sometimes I, to the extent I have an emotional involvement, it's because they suck. Right. Cause you don't right? like them. <laughs> Cause I don't like them and there's nothing I can do to make them be different. Yeah. I certainly don't, I'm not going to start defending Steve Bashotti. <laughs> someone says, Oh, he's a shitty owner. Like who the fuck cares? Yeah. I mean like, it's not, I mean like we're writing these articles and like, who cares if we feel that this guy's a kind of fucking fraudster? Like he's not your, no one's making fun of your team. Like I said, Liz is a huge Milan fan. Like she's not messing. She's not coming at Milan with this article. She is literally just coming at this guy who, you know, got American hedge fund capital to buy this team. And now like, it's not a hundred percent clear what his finances are. And that's all we're saying. And you're like, attacking us because what this guy you're like really invested in this one dude like that's so yeah. weird like it oh i mean i kind of i i'm trying to like you know piece it together why they'd be so upset about this and i think it's because if you're a milan fan you've like had to live your whole life with fucking silvio throw a party with hookers uh and run for president at the same time berlusconi as your team's owner so like literally at like Literally a pile, that pile of huge uh, shit from the uh, Jurassic Park movie with like a with a hat on it would be a better owner than him. But like, <laughs> still, like, <laughs> just because you lost the worst owner in uh, all of sports, arguably, and have uh, taken on some like rando, doesn't mean you need to like defend the rando to the death. Berlusconi is not coming back, folks. He's not coming back to take over your team. It's okay. Like that's over. You don't have to worry about him but ever again. But the hedge funds are coming. Yeah, they are. They're gonna strip. You're gonna strip your team for parts and sell it off. It's gonna happen. Um, yeah. So, speaking of the worst executives in sports, the actual worst executive in all of sports had something to say this week, uh, Evan, about the World Cup. Oh, Joseph S. Blatter, our friend, you love friend of the show. <laughs> of the show the, the source of many drunken rants from me and gabe over the years before and then during the lff run so he decided he was going to weigh in and have something to say about the 2026 world cup now a couple pieces of context first off just as a reminder this is a man who is currently serving what a six-year ban from football and cannot have any position in football anywhere because of financial impropriety of being a corrupt sack of shit yep. second off People who are actually involved, like in FIFA with the organization, either k 
still cannot or up until very recently could not make any statements about the World Cup. Like they weren't allowed to endorse bids or anything. There's like some kind of gag rule that they follow. Um, and so here comes Mr. Sepp Blatter, totally not a FIFA official, totally not associated in any way, not covered by any <laughs> gag rule. So World Cup 2026, coast hosting rejected by FIFA after 2002, also applied in 2010 and 2018. And now, Morocco would be the logical host. And it is time for Africa again. I, so I just, just, this is fucking so insane. Good. This is such an insane thing to think. Like, so, I, so to break it down, what, he, what he's saying, because it's I think it's not super clear, but what he's saying is the last time there was a co-hosted World Cup was in 2002. That was Japan, South Korea. There were then bids for co-hosted stuff. They said never again. We're not going to do those anymore except quote, exceptional circumstances. 2010, 2018, there were co-host bids, but they were rejected. And they were fucking rejected, uh, you know, for fucking corrupt, you know, bribes, basically. Yeah. And then he he says he's going to, you know, going to back Morocco. And it's well known that Sepp Blatter has a lot of, you know, considers his political base within FIFA to be um, in the African uh, federations because of, uh, well, various different reasons, including the work he did supporting South Africa. But so al- there you have it. Yeah. And also, like, the, there's a reason that he's so obsessed with, like, getting these uh, African nations to host. And look, let's be clear. I think it is great that, that, that there's more football on the continent. I just – but we're talking about, like, if you look at the places, the only place that has been acceptable that he has uh, uh, backed in Africa to host the World Cup with South Africa, which is objectively an awesome thing to do. It was very cool. It was also incredibly corrupt. Let's like, you know, no one yeah. is pretending it wasn't. You can, like, you can have both the a good outcome and a terrible process, right? right? I and, think that's important to remember. And those stadiums that are bi- that were built for it are still like, you know, standing monuments to as they like crumble over time to his legacy as it, as it just breaks down with more and more corruption. But like, also, Qatar, uh, Morocco, both governed by unbelievably wealthy uh, royal families who just, I mean, they just have this immense amount of wealth. And, like, I, I mean, like, if he brings the World Cup to your country, you, he could probably uh, abscond from justice and live in Qatar for the rest of his, you know, hopefully extremely short and painful life while, like, you know, being feted by these like oligarchs who uh, run their entire com- country and the slave labor that they import from from the uh, from like Thailand or whatever. Like, OK, I, I know like, <laughs> I mean, like this is so up our alley because we've talked about him before. And, you know, he's the type of person that Evan, I think on the previous episode of this show, people in the United States asked me like, well, like they'll talk about the NFL and they'll be like, oh, but you're more of a soccer fan. So then I'll tell them, yeah. And I would have Roger Goodell run FIFA a hundred. Like he's so much better than Sepp Blatter. It's not even, not even like even close <laughs> to how bad this dude is. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just because he did hashtag at FIFA World Cup, which is extremely funny. <laughs> First of all, I, I had not noticed that, and that is wonderful. Um, <laughs> he even managed to really tag it, which funny. is extremely he funny. Tried to tag it. I, <laughs> I. So my theory for why he's doing this, other than the fact that he's mad at the U.S. for you know coming after him, I think this is a man who wants to see some World Cup games, and he can't go to any World Cup games in the United States or most of Europe because his ass would be fucking extradited in a heartbeat. Yeah, and yeah, 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 so. I, I am I'm too lazy to look into this, but I would you know be interested in seeing what the Morocco US extradition treaty is. 
I would be almost certain. And for, first of all, so I actually know a little bit about this because I, I had a family member who was imprisoned in Morocco and we, uh, it spent years trying to get him released. Uh, he was a political prisoner and like, it was forever, and it took, like, literally uh, one of my other family members becoming a fucking sitting U.S. senator to get him released. So, like, I don't think there's a ton of, like, pull that the United States government has on, on Morocco. So, like, I, yeah. I would imagine that if he, he could probably go there, he can go to Qatar, and I bet he'd go to Russia, Evan. So, like, he's probably yeah. feeling pretty good, and the reason he wants Morocco is that he wants to be able to go to every World Cup until he dies, and that's probably the last – hopefully that's the last World Cup he'll be able to go to. Yeah. I know I've been calling for his death a lot, but like, nah, I don't, I don't feel yeah. bad about it. I stand by that. This is a sack of shit. Yeah. Like this is, a, I mean, like all, like, like I said, and all of those different things, all you have to do is Google, uh, the place that he want is talking about and human rights. And that's all like you, if you can just do that and all you get up is like, you know, controversies, or if you go to their Wikipedia page and you see human rights issues, then you have, you know, you have a fucking problem. So yeah, I also incredible shout out to uh, the people in his replies who are just going off on whatever the hell they want to talk about. Like, it's not about this. So, for example, this dude who re- responds to him uh, at FIFA World Cup in Morocco will choke out and help end corrupt hashtag USSF. We need a new federation to form in the U.S. that aligns with the rest of the world, i.e. ProRel Solidarity Payments FIFA Calendar, hashtag Boycott U.S. Soccer, hashtag Boycott MLS, hashtag ProRel for USA, hashtag Cordero (laughs) out. Dude, you rule. You know what I love about this so much? And it is actually maybe the coolest and stupidest after effect of the USSF election is now we have, you know how you like you have, you know, Ron Paul fanboys for years after the elections (laughs) running around who just won't be quiet about Ron Paul, even though he's not running for anything. This guy's like a total Kyle Martino fanboy who, you know, fucking weeks and months after this non-democratic election is hashtagging all of Kyle Martino's platform points at Sepp Blatter. Yeah, it's so cool. This is like, so this guy responding to Sepp Blatter reminds me a lot of, uh, so this is actually like Carl calls back that first thing we were talking about, but this dude hashed adding Sepp Blatter and adding FIFA World Cup uh, in his like quest to get pro rel and shit, like, that's like adding the FBI when you see someone like saying they're doing a crime on Twitter. It's just like, yeah. oh, like F- at FBI, like this guy's like uh, smoking weed or whatever. <laughs> you, you know what I, you know what I like about this tweet too is, if the U.S. doesn't loses the World Cup bid to Morocco and we get another upset like we did with Qatar, it's almost certainly because the U.S. did not do corruption as well as Morocco did. Oh, yeah, that's definitely right. And, then, and so the idea that it would expose the corruption of the U.S. National Federation is kind of is kind of the opposite. The It'd opposite. be like, oh, we, we rolled in here with this great bid and we could put on this great World Cup and Morocco rolled in with fat stacks. Yeah, and they literally made it rain on the floor of the FIFA commission or whatever. <laughs> and that's why everyone voted for him. And that so if they get that World Cup, all it would do is show how less corrupt the United States is the opposite. You should be rooting for an American World Cup because guess what that would mean the united states is corrupt as fuck like that would mean like yeah. the only way to literally right. set blotter called up barack obama and was like you didn't do enough corruption so we're giving it to cutter that's what he's like it's not what he said but that's what he said 
Yeah, yeah. And so if we get it, then the FBI is going to start sniffing around because they're very interested in all this now. And then, you know, then, you know, a few years later, you might get fucking everybody associated with USSF arrested, just like we've seen with everyone associated with the the, uh, the Copa America, uh, Copa America. Right. <laughs> That's really good. And oh, also, so the uh, one of the things that the Milan guys that were really pissed off at Liz and then at me after I was making fun of them was they tagged at AC Milan. How cool is that? That's like That's that all. is the exact same thing as fucking call tagging the police. So like I I responded to one of them and I was like, "Thank you for reporting at FBI <laughs> at Secret Service <laughs> at Royal Canadian Mounted Police uh, and at CIA have all been informed." <laughs> because like I just I just I love it. I love that like I love that you would at Set Blatter to talk about an American internal American Federation thing. That's incredibly cool. Jesus, did you know that Set Blatter has two point five million followers? Yeah, I did. I did He's know all- that. Good God, that's two point two million followers more than Alexi Lawless. Ha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of whom. <laughs> yeah. So these are ne- our next topic. Uh, Alexi Lawless had a lot of dumb shit to say. I'm going to I'm gonna try to get in. I'm going to try to put the audio in. Um, but basically, he's talking about... I mean, look, let's, let's be a lot... There are about three different Alexi Lawless things. But I think the first thing to talk about is his comments about how uh, diversity in general is good. But in uh, putting together a team, diversity is bad, actually. And uh, it's just... It's just clickbait bullshit to say shit like that. I just don't I I don't understand any of the background for why he would say something like that and I refuse to like spend like spend any more time than is absolutely required listening to that the justification for this. But I don't I mean, know. Look look at how diverse the French national team that is about to be a favorite in the World Cup and was in the Euro final is. Right? Just, you know, it's it, it that's that's what's so astounding to me is like it's not like the international sides that are really strong are completely homogenous. Yeah, this isn't fucking 1955. Right. This is this isn't like, you know, a separate te- like a separate. I, just, I don't understand what he's talking about. Like if it's good, like generally, then it's probably good for this, too. Like and that's one of the things that's been a huge issue with this fucking team. That's whole, Kevin's entire fucking piece that U.S. soccer was incredibly angry about that. We brought him on to talk about uh, that, that, you know, everyone who is smart and who who was dealing with this stuff was like, yeah, like it's terrible that we can't recruit a larger array of people. Like there are so many people in this country, but we only have one like professional scout. That is an incredible failure on the United States. Like that is just a, a blatant and obvious failure that you, you have a country of three, like, you know, a couple hundred million people. That's much more than a lot of these other places. A lot of the people in this country are soccer mad and they play it all the time. And we can't put together a world cup team that doesn't, you know, that have people from outside of the kind of traditional structures of like, oh, well, we we saw this guy at seven. We thought he had a pretty good touch. So we put him on like the fast track. Like, that's dumb. And like saying that it's not is also dumb. I also really like so someone responded to Alexi saying uh, really like pretty thoughtful and saying basically you've been saying this a lot. I don't think this is true. So check it out. This position is a bit old and devoid of much actionable advice. It's not clear to me that the U.S. is trying to be everything to everyone. Thus, the call to action of pick a plan to move forward is merely a pundit platitude. Get new material, Alexi. And he just his response is, thanks for listening. <laughs> it's just like the same shit. Yeah. Well, Alexi is always good for the uh, good for the 
kind of just perfunctory reply just to make sure he dries his interactions up. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't even have much more to say. Like we covered all of this in the episode with yeah. Kevin. You know, there's so many different, you know, we are recruiting kind of from just this one pipeline of upper middle class white kids playing prep, you know, playing youth soccer and yeah. on traveling teams. And that's the pipeline we're recruiting from. We're ignoring everything else. You can read really cool articles about how take the French national team again, how they're recruiting heavily from these poorer, yeah. uh, blacker Paris suburbs yeah. and all the work they do to make sure that they're getting the best recruits from there. And the fact that we're not doing that is just absolutely <laughs> asinine. Logan. Yeah, Logan, uh, Logan is fucking with you, man. Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, he doesn't like when idiots talk about dumb shit like this. Yeah. Uh, I will also shout out to Alexi for maybe the funnier, one of the funnier tweets and things of the last week or so. Uh, yeah, just like he quote tweeted a picture of like someone rolling out the new grass, I think at the LAFC uh, stadium and said, I like grass. That's it. It's really yep. solid. Um, yep. I was, I, I, my feeling was he was probably smoking a little bit of that grass while, while he was making that joke. But Well, it was succinct, concise, to the point, everything a tweet should be. Good job, Alexi. Yeah, it was really good. Um, let's just really quickly, before I move on from LAFC, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, LAFC unveiled their new jerseys. It is really funny. They they rolled out a jersey kit a kit combination that is literally a copy of Real Madrid's 2011-2012 gold and white and gold and black jerseys. They were arguably the best jerseys in Real Madrid's history. Um and they also are the same that Juventus used. They're like these are these are and like knockoffs. They look like like the same fucking thing. It's also the same as LA Galaxy used a couple years ago. So it's really and I think they were all what are they all? They're all Nike jerseys. Um, they're all the same company, whichever it is. So it's all, apparently it's all Adidas. Um, or Adidas, yeah, they're all Adidas jerseys. And so they're all just rolling out the same fucking jersey with a different crest on it, which is awesome. Which is really funny and really good scam from Adidas. I'm really into that. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, so the Real Madrid, the Juve stuff is actually quite, like, bad. Like, that. that's bad. But it's not anything near as bad as uh, the fucking LA Galaxy stuff. Like, if yeah. you look back, that is an almost identical jersey, except for I think it, arguably you could you could say it looks better in LA Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's the same thing. And when it's it's when it's you know literally the crosstown rival that you're trying to take France fans from, it's kind of you, you would almost think that you you want to try to promote some kind of distinction between you. Like you want to you want to show why you're a different and better thing for people to support. And coming yeah. out with the exact same kit that, admittedly, people liked that kit. I think, but coming out with the same kit does not exactly you know send a strong message of difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> I had someone joke at me today, literally today, about how, like, uh, oh, I'm forcing my things is one of our Managing Madrid show patrons. She's she's very cool. She's like, I, I'm forcing myself to be an LAFC fan, and I saw his jersey. I'm really into it because I can just literally tape the LAFC logo over the Real Madrid logo. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which is extremely good. I like that a lot. Um uh, and lastly, Evan, you had an interaction yourself with Alexi this week, who uh, oh, was very cool. I want to just shout out. That was funny. Yeah, I've been tweeting at Alexi for a long time, so it's just been fun. To, it was fun to get the first actual reply. He uh, he had said something about Liverpool being really good because they beat the living shit out of uh, West Ham. Um, I decided to poke at him and say, counterpoint, maybe West Ham's just bad. 
which he said was, quote, bold. <laughs> bold. I mean, I'm bold. glad. Look, Alexi, friend of the show. Come on. Yep. Come on, let's fix football, Alexi. We're at, we'd love to talk to you. Like, just I'm just saying, like, we, we would happily, happily uh, talk to you about this. It's quite important. Um, I would like to I would like to get him on and he can join us with commentary on one of his other albums and really give us an inside look into what he what each song means to Alexi Lawless. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Come on and we will play. We will talk about your your music. That's what we'll do. I mean, we will happily talk about your music for sure. Uh, Okay. Last really bad take before some of our news uh, and actual soccer stuff. Um Swansea City, uh, <laughs> Swansea City coach uh, 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 Carlos Carvajal, uh, Carvo, well, I guess Carvajal. It's Carvajal, right? Um, there's yeah. a typo, in, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, had something to say about uh, kind of the beginning, I think it's just the beginning of this uh, soccer statistics revolution. Uh, and um, yeah, so let's just ju- dive into it. Here's uh, just prefacing it by saying this is a butchering of one of the funnier shitty jokes about statistics. So uh, I'll just read it, then I'll tell you the the actual way this joke is supposed to go. So he said, uh, statistics. It's like if you and me went for a picnic, we take a chicken, and I eat all of it, and you have none. But statistically, you have eaten half of the chicken. This is why I don't look at statistics. So obviously, that's stupid. Um, extremely big shout out to Michael Cox, uh, who does zonal marking, who literally just said rubbish. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, uh, that's such a great reply. I'm such a big fan of Michael's too. His, his website is awesome. It's maybe one of the best actual analysis websites out there. If you don't follow zonal marking, he doesn't do a ton of like, uh, games that he analyzes, but when he does, and when it's one of your teams, one of the games that you watched, it's an actually indispensable read. So he rules. He's one of the original soccer statistics writers. Um, and yeah, so here's how the, this is the, the original version of this joke, which is, Oh, the, like statistics don't actually explain what happened. This is a funnier version is this, uh, three statisticians go hunting. Uh, they take their guns and their dogs and, uh, they see a deer. So the first statistician shoots three feet left. The second stat- statistician shoots, and he's three feet, ro- uh, three feet right. The third statistician says, I got it, which <laughs> is, yeah, that's the original version of this joke. It's, it's much funnier. Mine is funnier. You fucking hack. Don't, don't, don't do this joke unless you know the actual joke. So, uh, but I'll, let's just be clear. This is, has nothing to do with what we're talking about when we talk about stats. Like, this is, this is well, well, r- rubbish. It's bullshit. I, I like it because when you apply his metaphor to soccer, I think it actually completely like you apply the same logic of soccer and it, it doesn't make any sense or it proves statistics are, are useful because if we assume that the chicken being eaten is goals here, then the stats are telling you not how many goals any one individual player scored, just how many goals were scored by the team over some period of time you know, in, in his case, it was, you know, half for each person. But for a team, if we're doing like X goal, it's telling you how many goals should have been scored, not by any one particular player. It doesn't matter whether it's you or me. It's just how many the team scored, mm. right? By his own logic, he's been right. disproven. Maybe he should there, quit coaching. No, I'm just kidding. He actually, Swansea's been doing a hell of a lot better. Yeah, no, he's um, a pretty good. He's a pretty good coach. He he um he did he, so he's actually a fun fun to keep track of. Uh, he says a lot of stupid shit, very colorful metaphors all the time. 
Um, but this was dumb. Yeah, extremely good, good shit. Uh, let's go from that to the. All right, so I was trying to decide what the, how to how to even intro this segment, Evan. Um, I'm just gonna go. Like I'm gonna play a little. I'm gonna play some metal music in the background. Uh, you'll you'll hear it right now, I guess. But this is probably the most metal shit that we've seen in Sonic for a while. Maybe other than uh, the dude we talked about at the very beginning who grabbed the fucking post out of the corner flag and started waving it around like a spear. That's also super metal. But yeah, Villarreal defender Ruben Semedo uh, has been charged, and he's been he's in jail right now. He's been charged by a Spanish judge with attempted murder and kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah, robbery. Yeah, like robbery, kidnapping, attempted murder, illegal possession of a firearm. Like this dude has problems, legal problems. Yeah, he is. He is going to be in jail. Like he's going to jail. He's never playing soccer again. Much like we talk about these things. Like oh, like what's going to happen? Like when we deal with the tax fraud, these guys. Oh, they're going to get two years probation and not go to jail. No, this dude's going to get fifty years probably. Or like I guess it's Europe, so he's probably going to get like twenty years in jail. Uh, because he, as far as we can tell, uh, he and two friends went to another friend's uh, house and held him captive with a fucking gun and robbed him. It's yeah, the fucking so OJ it's, robbery. Yeah, so and it's it totally is the OJ robbery, especially because like they the defense has made vague allusions to what their side of the story is. And their side of the story is not that he did not go over there and attack this dude. It's that it's that, oh, he was tricked and they imply that it was like financial trickery and fraud. And so what I think probably we're going to find out happened, this friend of his somehow, you know, scammed this dude, scammed tomato out of some cash. Hell yeah. And, or some something. And then they pulled an OJ and he's like, well, I'm going to get my crew together. We're going to get some guns and we're going to go get my stuff back. Which, Hell when yeah. OJ did it, was totally put him in jail for fucking 10 years for armed robbery. And it's the same damn shit here, except they decided to fire some rounds past this guy's head to try to scare him, which is going to get them attempted murder charges. Yeah, that's so cool. That, <laughs> I mean, and he's going – the funniest thing about it is – so he's, I don't think it's a jury. He's going – the Spanish court system is a little different. I think he's going before a panel of judges. But regardless, like – he fired a loaded gun at someone. Like that's it. Like you, that you, you like you. That's that is the action that brings out a charge from you know armed robbery uh, to attempted murder because even yeah, if you you weren't really trying to uh, uh, to shoot at the person. It's and that's not even clear that that's what was going on. Uh, the the prosecution is at least going to bring that charge, and then you're going to be forced to deal with the fact that you had a loaded gun and shot it. Yeah, you're going to have to convince the court because the prosecutor's going to say, look, you can infer from the fact that he shot a gun that he meant to hurt somebody because what is a gun for? It's meant to kill somebody. And he's going to have to convince a you know panel of judges, no, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to scare someone. And if he can convince him of that, maybe, you know, maybe he gets less. I think it's just as likely he ends up, you know, I, I don't know exactly how the Spanish system works, but I do know there's some kind of plea deals you can yeah. do because all these tax guys do it. Right. So, you know, he, like, like they negotiate. Yeah, pleads down to the robbery charge or like or, or negligent but, like uh, use of a firearm, that kind of shit. Something but, like that. But like, damn, <laughs> it does feel like if you like took the time to get the illegal gun and then like loaded it and then brought it to this dude's house, like there's a lot of intent there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And God, I, I don't think that there's a defense of well, he had it coming because he tricked me out of some money. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's, I mean, like. There's not that defense simply doesn't exist in any circumstance as far as I, I'm aware, unless 
you're in Texas and the person is uh, a woman who's running away from you. Remember that case? There was a case in oh, Texas yeah, where something like that happened. Yeah, wasn't it like a prostitute who like just took the cash and then left? Yeah. And so dude took an AK out of his trunk and started shooting up the fucking car and killed her. Yeah, that that is one of the most horrific things I've ever heard. And he was and he was acquitted. He was acquitted because she took his money, which is horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. I know we're laughing. It's actually is horrifying. It's really yeah, terrible. He's not getting away with this shit. He's not going. And it's the funniest thing about the the articles. Almost all the articles end with like Villarreal are playing uh, Europa League uh, on uh, on Thursday. And it's like, yeah, he's not going to be there. He's going to yeah, be in jail. He, He's, he's not. In fact, he's been suspended by the team without pay now, um, which makes sense because he's in jail and tried to kill a person. And it, I think it's safe to say that this was a busted transfer for Villarreal. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it is also kind of funny. Like, I, I mean, we 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 don't take shit too, super seriously unless it's about FIFA literally like having slaves. But this this is pretty funny. Um, all right, last topic, uh, Tam talking about some tam um so tam targeted allocation money is uh the one of the ways that mls teams uh you uh, is a is a pot of money that mls teams have to give to their players that would allow Mm -hmm. them to go over the salary cap is that what i understand yeah more or less so it's it's newish in the last couple years basically you you know MLS has a hard salary cap and you're not allowed to go over that. But then there's a whole bunch of exceptions and there's exceptions like designated players. There's exceptions like um, uh, general allocation money and then there's targeted allocation money, which was introduced a couple of years ago. And what it lets you do is even if you're above the cap already with your salaries, you can do you can either you know use the TAM to sign a new player to a new contract, an international player usually. And it won't count against the cap, more or less. Or you can use it to pay down some of the contracts you have, so that those old contracts don't count against the cap the same way. And so it, it you know, kind of complicated, kind of technical, but that's the gist of it. Is it can it allows you to sign new players where otherwise, without the TAM, you wouldn't have been able to. And each team gets an allocation of target allocation money that they can use, you know, however they see fit within the rules to try to make their team better. And just, you know, in the last couple of years, they've added a whole bunch more targeted allocation money. And 442 had a very interesting article that went through the implications of this new amount of targeted allocation money. I think it's 2.8 million per team, which is a huge amount of cash for MLS squads. And it went through how, how this has been affecting the league. And basically, it has caused a huge influx of talented new international players so kind of that youth revolution that we've been talking about in MLS at the expense of minutes for homegrown United States and Canadian players. And 442's you know, kind of question posed in the article is, what direction does MLS want to go? Does it want to be the farm system for the U.S. men's national team? Does it want to just be as quickly as possible? The, you know, it always says it wants to be one of the best leagues in the world. And if it wants to do that as quickly as possible, then yeah, bringing in international talent is definitely the faster way to do it. Yeah. But they're kind of mute, they're sort of mutually exclusive. And with the TAM revolution, it seems like MLS has been going, you know, with the the international talent over the youth talent. Well, here's what I'll here's what I'll add. Um, I think they're mutually exclusive. If you're going to have like this incredibly esoteric salary cap structure, where for whatever reason you can't spend more than two hundred thousand dollars on homegrown players. 
of Tam. It doesn't that I mean like there are and but then we also know that there are other exceptions to some of the other MLS rules that we discussed with Kevin uh, about homegrown players. So it, it isn't the only this isn't the last thing on homegrown players. It's just it doesn't make a lot of sense why you would cap the amount of money and homegrown players you can use Tam on, but whatever. Uh, but on top of all of that, um, and so like for example, when you when you uh, sell homegrown players, you don't have to pay as much money. But right. I, I just part of it is right that it's hard to do. You can't square the circle with a salary cap. That is that is fundamentally to me what what the main issue is. Like if you have a really talented young homegrown player, you want to hang on to him, but also if you can sell him for a lot of money then you're going to want to do that because MLS won't take as much money. So you won't be the farm system for the U S men's national team. Like if, if like, let's say NYFC, NYCFC, no, not, that's a terrible example. If Atlanta had Christian Pulisic right now, uh, and say Arsenal came in and said, look, we want this kid or Liverpool, whoever's going to get him next said, we want this kid and we'll give you $45 million for him. Like that, they would make that deal right away. Uh, but like they probably would have sold them earlier than that because simply because of the way that the homegrown player deal and structure or whatever is worth. But uh, in in a world with salary caps, they couldn't then take that forty five million and invest it in all the other things you would need to do to create the next Christian Pulisic. Like you you can't really do that. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that other rules that don't have too much to do with TAM really hinder MLS being a seller's league. Yeah. And and, you know, fairly uh, intentionally so. And then, you know, we've talked about those rules before where teams only get to keep a portion, usually I think about a third of the transfer fee and the rest kind of goes generally to MLS and then it's distributed. They, you know, don't have sell on, you know, they don't get all the sell on back, solidarity payments, all these things kind of stop. You can't use MLS. very much of their salary back. Like It's all this stuff that right. you, you can't use unless they're a homegrown player. You can only use like 50% of their salary to pay for another player. Like it's, right. it's really crazy. Yeah. So they really, those rules are all set up to stop MLS from being a seller's league for better or for worse. Um, you know, target allocation money is definitely, I, it's very clearly been, you know, um, crafted to get international players into the league. Yeah. And it's had really interesting effects on roster building all over the place. So, you have some players using target allocation money as kind of intended to pay down contracts and sign new international players. Um, so Atlanta is a, you know, probably the prime example of this bringing in a lot of young, exciting South American talent that we're going to see feature, you know, really heavily this year. On the other hand, this money is tr uh, transferable so you can trade it and it creates these really goofy transactions where like Orlando City basically spent all of this year and next year's target allocation money to completely revamp their roster right. with established MLS stars. Yeah, it does seem like Orlando City is really going for it this year. I hope you're excited. Oh, for sh for sure. And I'm actually really excited. They've, you know, they have an entirely new front line um except for Dom Dwyer who had been acquired just this previous last year. They just signed uh, Sané, a uh, Bundesliga um, defender, um, who's got, you know, got good pedigree. So yeah. pretty excited about Orlando city, but, you know, definitely very interesting how they went about getting all of these new signings, these kind of eight, nine, 10 new first team or rotational players was almost all with a few exceptions, not trading around players, but trading around, uh, targeted allocation money. And, you know, that's just one strategy and other teams are going a different direction. And it yeah. seems really weird, but it, if, you know, anyone's familiar with, 
uh, NBA trades over the years, there were always, you know, trade exceptions, which you could get back from a trade. So if I traded you more salary than I got back, then I got a trade exception, which I could then use to make a trade that took me over the salary cap kind of works the same way. Yeah. 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 So that's what we were saying. That's what I would say at the beginning, the people that don't understand this, um, from, from the, uh, from Europe, especially, or from any, literally anywhere else that doesn't do salary cap stuff. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to understand, but if you're an American listening to this show, you're going to basically have the, the general framework in mind. And like, as you know, every American league has its own strange esoteric issues, right? A lot of these leagues, instead of having a hard cap, have taxes. So like, if you go over the cap, you have luxury tax. That's the way it works in baseball. That's the way it works in, um, uh, uh, in, in, I think football, I don't really know. Uh, well, ba- basketball has both a soft cap and a, and a luxury tax. Baseball just has the tax. Um, Football's got a pretty pretty much a hard cap, yeah. And uh, ho- hockey, I think, has pretty much a hard cap. So, and MLS has a has other than these exceptions about target allocation money has a fairly hard cap. Yeah, it's a fairly hard cap that is actually also pretty low. The players are going to in the Very next low. collective bar- bargaining agreement. I, one would imagine that they change the system from a hard to a soft cap because you would have to feel like the players are getting fucked over a little bit by they, any system they, that that limits the amount of money they can make. Well, they definitely are, and you know, ML, from MLS's perspective, they're taking progressive steps towards freeing up um, player salaries. So it really started in 2007 when David Beckham came to the league, and they created the designated player, which allowed for people to be paid basically way more money than they otherwise would have been able to pay be paid under roster rules. And right. then you had general allocation money, target allocation money. These are all just more ways to spend more on players. Now, roster, you know, salaries are still very, very low. But I think like you pointed out, there's going to be some inflection points like the collective bargaining agreements that are going to continue to put pressure on MLS to continue to liberalize the salary rules and allow players to make more. And And I think MLS plans on that because they know that if they want to achieve their goal of becoming one of the top leagues in the world, they're going to have to pay like one of the top leagues in the world. They're not going to be able to pay like a second tier league um, or third tier league, which is what they pay like right now. Um, I think they're just, and we, and we know this, they're just a wildly conservative bunch. Um, which I think, I think you can kind of understand coming from the, the, I mean, look at the people that would own an MLS team. They're not our generation who realizes how big a deal this sport is in our country. Now their generation or even two generations older than us and come from a period of like growing up and literally never hearing about this sport. Or if they did, they were like one of the people that like my, like, you know, me when I was a really young, like in the nineties, had to actually go and get pay-per-view and, like, special packet, like, channels uh, and shit to watch it. Now we have, like, a low-to-mid-level EPL game on national TV, on, like, NBC or whatever, on Fox, like, on a weekend, which is fucking insane. Yeah, almost every... So nearly every EPL and Bundesliga game is on either NBC Sports or Fox Sports, depending on the league, every single week. Uh, for And that's just basic cable packages, which is pretty fantastic, and it's a totally different soccer environment. And I think yeah. you're right that that, you know, they're still adjusting to that shift or trying to catch up to it. I also think there's a bit of, you know, a bit of important context is this is a league, these owners who have been part of the league for a long time. This is a league that almost went out of business yeah, in the early 2000s. And so I think they're trying to not get ahead of their skis on this, se- you know, kind of second attempt um, yeah. now that it's going back. I think, I think that's a totally f- and that, you know, I get it. That's and that's the thing that's annoying me. I don't like 
I don't like these people. I don't like, I never like ownership in any of these leagues, but I get being cautious with this because like, even if, if like our whole, this whole podcast was formed partially as a joke about how like American media doesn't understand the sport and like makes fun of it. And, you know, talks about how that they want to fix it, even though they, you know, (laughs) this is the most popular sport in the world, right? Like the whole point, like we, we've read even on this show, awful takes from people saying like, uh, whenever the World Cup co- and we're gonna get, I'm sure we're gonna get another five of these this year. Whenever the World Cup comes on, people that don't ever watch soccer try to watch the World Cup and then write uh, either totally, I'm not mad, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm just laughing, think pieces, or like genuinely annoyed think pieces about why you know soccer is bad. Everyone needs to stop watching it. Or this is a way we, you can make soccer appeal to people like me when it's like no one cares if it appeals to people like you. Right. But like, right. That's the type of people that own MLS teams or the pe- type of people that own MLS teams think they have to appeal to are the people who don't really know or care about soccer, which is us. Uh, it's becoming smaller and smaller, smaller. Right. Like that's that, that. And that's just the truth. Like people in this country are beginning to follow this team more and more. Like even since 2010, this is a totally different environment. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, they're going to see you're they're, they're at the point now where I think they, they're really looking at kind of casual fans. Like, how do you get the casual sports fan to care about MLS soccer um, or soccer at all? So kind of the, the the type of person who will swing by and watch the World Cup a few games a year. You know, how do you get them to care about the big national match? Um, and one answer to that might be. You bring in these really exciting flair players from South America with, with, you know, really high-end technical skills who are going to, you know, do really exciting things on the pitch. And, you know, casual fans will pay more attention. It'll look better on clips on SportsCenter, you know, all these other things. And and so that that's part, I think, of the approach with the target allocation money. But as the 442 article points out, the more talented and expensive international players you bring in, the fewer minutes are going to go to you know, young homegrown American players. It's just a zero sum game. And so to the extent the conversation this year is about how do we improve our talent development for the U S men's national team, this is not essentially, you know, really great development for that. No. Um, and you'll also, I mean, like one of the solutions or suggestions that Kevin had, right. Was that the way that, I mean, the way that in Europe they do it, the, the national teams really aren't in charge of developing or even, I mean, following players, sure, but barely, right? It's more that they, 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 they just sort of go and, and talk to the coaches of all the different teams and say, like, well, who are the exciting young kids that could play for our national team that you see? And that's part of the, the leg up that Europe has over us, that they have all of their teams instead of like having a draft, instead of like having to go and scout college players, have their own systems and they have their own entire you, mm-hmm. whatever team they go all the way down to like, I mean, when I was a kid in Spain, like Real Madrid would take players who are like six years old to play for like Real Madrid, U seven, right? Like that. And that, <laughs> which is bananas, but like they have that level of depth in their system. And like, that is uh, the only sport in our country that is sort of like that is baseball where they have a farm system. Right. But that's, that's the closest we could get to, to understanding what it's like to have a European team. And the, the teams themselves have an interest in developing players and uh, ascertaining who are the best players. And the national federations just piggyback off of that. And that might be the, the way to 
make and move this this national team structure forward is to just encourage teams to get these <laughs> you whatever sides uh, and, yeah. and develop these big deep farm academies that then could talk to the national team and the national organization about who are their most exciting young players. Right. And Kevin kind of talked about that in his piece with FC Dallas and all the good things they're doing. Um, and I think there are other structural things MLS could do to try and encourage that. So the 442 article talks about um, adopting some rules that, you know, Venezuela and Mexico have adopted where, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you can basically compel MLS teams to give a certain amount of minutes to youth players. Like, you know, for cup ties, you have to, um, you know, play at least one, you know, homegrown player. Or you could say over the course of the season, you need to find 2000 minutes for a youth player, which I think is what League MX used to do. Hmm. Um, you know, these are these are these are things you can do at the same time as you're bringing international talent is say, you know, you just find some minutes. And, and if you don't find the minutes, the way League MX did it was you lost three points at the end of the season. So there was this Whoa. kind of incentive for you to find the 2000 minutes, which really 2000 minutes over the course of the season is not that crazy. It's about what you would play a standard, res- you know, kind of a, a, a second tier reserve player. Um, who's not starting all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty much where um, I want to leave it. I don't have um, that much more to, to add on this uh, topic. Oh, maybe um, just met, we can just mention that MLS kicks off this Sunday. Yes. And that's very exciting. Yes. Next, uh, this weekend, this coming weekend, MLS will be kicking off. That rules. Um, I'm excited for as hell for the new season. The um, there are a lot of teams that I'm I've been following. A, a lot of teams, as Kevin also said, that ha- have just like not really made their team better. So don't really know what's going on with that. But yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think Orlando's really exciting with the new team. The Rapids are really exciting with the new team. You know, kind of a very revamped squad. Atlanta's very exciting with a new attacking force. Um, then you've got you know Toronto, NYCFC. You know, still very good. Um, from last year, Sounders still good, um, but they haven't done a whole lot. The Sounders, so that's interesting, and yeah. um, should be it should be an exciting season. Um, LAFCs, you know, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. They're probably going to be, probably gonna be bad, but it'll be fun. It will be fun. Um, and, Do you have a team yet, Gabe? Like, you officially have a team? I, I mean, the problem is that officially I chose to be a DC United fan, but they suck. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even think... I mean, I think this is the first year in the new stadium. Or they have this weird schedule where they're playing half their games the first half of the season away from home, the second half of the season entirely at home. So it's... Yeah, they need more time, so they have some, some arrangement unbelievable. like that. It's just like literal eye-roll emoji schedule. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be following DC United, I guess. Um, And like the most interesting player on DC United is the keeper. And like he's gone as far as i can tell so uh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. i uh, i'm not super excited I mean, for the season of dc united but maybe they'll draft some good people after they like bottom out and tank yeah well should be fun should yep, be lots, lots to talk everybody. about um and it's great talking to you buddy uh we will be back next week we'll do maybe we'll do an mls preview show um during the week uh, i think that'd be fun and yeah we'll see if we can bring on someone who um you know, maybe has a better depth of knowledge of the league. We'll see if we can talk to someone about that. Um, until then, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. Catch you later.